welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Call now and ask about our special financing. I would be extremely confused for one if we got a call at all, and for another if we were trying to explain special financing. Like, how do we do that? Is our special financing like no money goes either way? Uh, or maybe they give us $10 and then the next day we give them $10. You know, something like that. Of course, um, of course. If somebody manages to like hunt down our phone numbers, you know, we got other things to worry about. Yeah, <laughs> if you manage to hunt down my phone number and call me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna block you probably. If they can manage to hunt down your phone number, I think blocking won't 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 do it. <laughs> that depends on how it, I do the block. Okay. Anyways, um, hi, my name is Eunice. Uh, I write Fantasia and Eternal Source. Please don't call me. I hate getting calls. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Aphia, author of Rune and Metagame, and another project that I'm working on, but I don't know if it's going to come out uh, anytime soon. So we'll see how that goes. As for calls, uh, you know, just don't. I, I won't answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm like legally obligated to like answer my cell phone most of the time so please don't <laughs> anyways uh this week it's your turn it is and i have something it's a little it's a little strange but you know what is it so what i have this time is sort of like a world that just fundamentally works differently um because instead of having like planets in the sense that we're used to them we instead have like smaller orbs that are i mean they're big enough that you're not gonna like take one step and be halfway around it but they're not they're not huge either so like um the size of a decent sized town is an entire like orb that like you can live on um and there are a bunch of these orbs that are somewhat nearby each other like in order to get from the pull of one orb that you're on to the pull of another orb, you'd have to build a tower that's like, I don't know, three or four stories tall and then jump. Um, although that would be kind of a mistake to just jump because you would, you know, it's like four stories to fall to the other side. So maybe not ideal. Right. <laughs> so I guess like, it can't just be governed by regular old gravity. Oh no, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> okay, so there's some kind of extra force or alternate force or magic or something that we may or may not need to get into. Well, uh, I'd kind of question, like, first off the bat, like, do we even want humans to be a thing or is every group of intelligent beings winged? So that they can control a fall or get to another orb without, you know, without needing to be able to construct things. I mean, I feel like, you know, with three or four stories, you know, a little a little rope will do the trick. It's not a big deal. Or just a glider. That's a hell of a throw. A, or just, you know, like, just a cushion at the bottom. Or like, you know, you could evolve things into just being super bouncy instead of having wings 
I mean, that's also an option. But I'm more talking about just like the, like each uh, group. Like, would you ever have a group of animals that evolves to not have some way to traverse between orbs without it dying out fairly quickly? I mean, at least. Uh, well, no. But I don't think uh, under these selective pressures, full flight would ever evolve. I mean, if there's atmosphere enough to to jump between planets, I guess, orbs, then you have enough to, like, fly in outside of it. But it's not like... You wouldn't need to do full flight. You would just need to direct your sort of yeah. floating through so, like, space. So, yeah, like, people would just end up with, like, flying squirrel type of adaptations. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool. Just, like, a bunch of different flying squirrel groups of, uh... <laughs> you know? It's like, yes, these are the flying wolves, these are the flying squirrels. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, if you want to have fun, just add glidy, membranous structures wherever you want. It doesn't have to be, like, you know, flying squirrel between the arms and legs if you want to add surface area yeah, somewhere Yeah, there else. just needs to be some method of gliding, or at least redirecting your fall i mean you know i feel like if you were going to evolve humans there would have to be like one fairly large orb at least for them to grow up well they could be of like various different sizes or if you really wanted to have fun uh the orbs move around relative to each other uh just Mm. not very fast um, and then, you know, there was one really big orb, but it got hit by another orb, and now, you know, <laughs> where people are out, that's fine. You know, we're just in a, in a game of cosmic... Billiards? Billiards. <laughs> <laughs> cosmic billiards with balls that are more like eggs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay, I, now I'm, I'm leaning towards the idea of it actually being a game of cosmic billiards, like, played by, like, gods. <laughs> See, I was more entertained uh, when I said that by the idea of, like, it's fairly regular. Not, like, common, but once a decade or so, just about every orb gets crashed into and cracks. Okay, and then what's what's in them? Um, well, I mean... Just random, like, metals and rocks and, and stuff. Uh, and then other orbs are just, like, coming in from the outside. And nobody's really sure where the orbs are coming from or or how they're getting there. There's just always more orbs. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of this. Like, it can be, like, kind of like when the Nile floods. Like, at the time, it's a little bit inconvenient, but in the end... You know, the fresh resources from all these cracked mini-planets are kind of necessary. There you go. Continued, you know, building of civilization. All the rare resources are, like, contained inside of them at, like, the very center. And it's, like, pretty, pretty tough to dig there. You could do it, but, you know, it's easier to just wait for one of them to crack and splatter and then just grab. (laughs) You know? It's like... Every few centuries, the world becomes a bunch of surprise eggs. No, no, no. It's, like, continuous. Each individual gets hit about once a decade. But it's random. So there, so there could be one that's, like, 
thousands of years old and has never been hit, but that's not very likely, you know? Okay. So, like, you know, people are always on the hunt for new orbs to take uh, possession of because, you know, in a decade or so, their current orb is going to probably get smashed. There's a good chance of it, at least. And you can see it coming uh, a month in advance or so. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's plenty of time to evacuate as long as you're prepared. Okay, so I feel like people have a reason to have conflict, which is always great if you're writing a story. Yeah. Do we want to write the obvious conflict, though, or write a different conflict inside of this? I mean, I feel like, you know, we have to have some some greater purpose than just living till your next orb. <laughs> yeah. We could go with, like, uh, maybe... Everyone's used to new orbs appearing, but they've kind of started to trickle off and stop. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be possible to just live on uh, on the orbs that people already have, but that's not exactly how anybody's used to it or, or dealing with things so far. So instead, they're just like, ah... We need to find out why this has stopped and and maybe kickstart it again if it's possible. Oh, boy. See, I'm just imagining that the world is just like a little ant farm for some god who got bored and stopped feeding it. But (laughs) that wouldn't be that interesting. It would just be funny. I mean, it might be it might be a fun uh, comedy beat like you're you're telling this story and you're just you make it a comedy story with a little bit of drama and then they finally get their audience in front of the god who's in charge of adding new balls and the and the god's like oh shit i never expected anybody to get here um oh i i'm sorry i forgot about that uh, here's some more balls i'll uh i'll put the feeding on an automated timer so that it, it won't happen again <laughs> And then that's the result of the epic quest. <laughs> it's like a person who forgot to feed their their hamster. It would be a pretty good comedy beat, but like, I, I would sort of want to scream at it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, that would be probably the correct ending if you want to make this a short story with an anticlimax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Let's find another source of these spears. In that case, I'd want to generate, like, an actual, like, magic system and then have it be a MacGuffin that's been just generating these orbs for a while and now it needs to be recharged, but people aren't, like, aware of where it is or how to recharge it, really, or even that it's actually out of power. They're just aware that it's stopped working. Okay. So, you know, most of the people are in panic and, you know, fighting for the remaining orbs, like the short-sighted creatures that they are, but we have to have someone who can see beyond the immediate (laughs) and ponder existence of things and, like, where do the orbs come from? You know, someone who's, like, a dreamer. Well, kind of, because I I sort of... Give more credit to humanity than that, just a little bit. And I think 
where where I'd end up on that uh, sort of scale is that like societies, like towns and cities and stuff, are not not exactly a fan of just giving the, our main characters who are searching for an answer a lot of help. But like individuals are definitely like, yeah, no, I see that there's a problem here, and what help I can offer is yours, even if it's not like a ton. Mm-hmm. So you know. I feel like the main character would be some sort of, you know, scholar who's kind of been derided their whole life for being too theoretical. Like, why are you even wondering where all the orbs come from? And then suddenly the question becomes a lot more pragmatic. A lot more pragmatic all <laughs> like of a sudden. Suddenly, everyone's like, where do the orbs come from? <laughs> Before, the question was, where do the orbs come from? Now the question is, where do the orbs come from? You know, this is like the amount of money that like got thrown at vaccine researchers when COVID came out. <laughs> like, holy shit. Now it's important. <laughs> we have suddenly realized that you've been doing a, an important job this entire time. Uh, how about we do something about that? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the vision of a researcher who's suddenly being given like a hundred times more research money than they've ever seen in their life to date. <laughs> but. <laughs> But they've go forth yeah. and discover the answer. They've always been like a sort of pseudo-adventurer. Like they go on a lot of trips to figure things out. But now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have enough money to just go. I can do all of these experiments that I've, you know, proposed for years, but nobody had fun. <laughs> so you turn it into an enormous adventure of them like digging through their books, like looking for the experiments and trying to find the fastest way to go through the years of research that they should have been doing. You know, and then they get assigned like hundreds of grad students. <laughs> like, this would be particularly funny if you like know academia. No, I think it would be I think it would be even funnier if instead of being assigned hundreds of grad students, they were assigned like thirty and they're like why didn't you assign more? And it's and they're like, because we didn't have anybody else who was like interested in even like a nearby area. <laughs> this is literally everybody in like the the nearest like hundred spheres that has an adjacent research <laughs> interest to yours. <laughs> it's like it's like forty or fifty people max. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, fine, but I want all of my students to each have a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, done. <laughs> done, easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, and then, you know, come up with, like, a few wild and wacky but testable theories as to, like, what the spheres are and where they come from. And, you know, you gotta go to an expedition to the far reaches of the known universe. Which, you know, in this world probably isn't that far away. <laughs> yeah. And then, what's at the edge of the universe? Where are these spheres coming from? Do they all come from the same direction? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> There's just, like, essentially you make it all, like, orbit around, like, a central, like, a central point. But, like, it's... 
not like all orbit around like a central point. Like you make there be a few different central points. So like they eventually come to the conclusion that it's like, so we can't actually see what's at this central point, but we kind of need to go there to test it. So the, uh, our, our main character, like is the first to make the plunge, uh, of just diving into the central point where they're not even sure what's there. Um, okay. I feel like it should be fairly, like, a fairly inhospitable trek. Like, it should, there should be, like, either, like, temperature or, like, gravity extreme. Well, what I would do is, um, because you have all these planets that have been being hit and, like, popping, you have a bunch of, like, weird bits of shell of orbs that are just hanging around and, like, they get denser and denser as you get toward the center. Hmm... And they don't, um, they don't clump at all, but, like, you just have this enormous, like, amount of them that are just clustering in the center. Okay. So you have to avoid, essentially, the dangers of a bunch of different popped planets. Okay. (laughs) Uh, and then, okay, so what is at the center? (laughs) Not, like, the thing that makes the orbs, but, like, one of the things that helps direct them. And then they, like, they start figuring out, I don't know, either the magic or technology, whatever you want to go with, uh, that, like, runs it. And they're like, oh, this is supposed to keep planets from bumping into each other. And it's been dead for, like, ever. Mmm. But they, you know, you gotta decide whether to fix that, because... Their entire economy relies on this not being fixed. (laughs) But uh, once they they realize that, they're like, oh, so there must be some other piece that actually handles the creation of it. Where's that? And they, as they, like, dig into their research and find another one of these things at the center, they're like, oh, so these things at the center, if I reactivate just a few of them... I can find a way to get them to point me and locate the uh, the actual thing that creates it. So essentially, you uh, you have them like reactivate a few of them and say like, "Hey, so we're reactivating this thing that uh, prevents the orbs from bumping into each other." Which I mean, that's neat, right? <laughs> and then everyone around is like, "Wait, that was supposed to be a thing that existed." Uh, <laughs> more importantly, make more orbs. <laughs> more importantly. They sort of deal with the the three of them. They reactivate them. And then they just, like, point out into the middle of absolutely nowhere. Like, there's no reasonable track to get there by following a a trail of orbs or anything. No, they just have to jump out into the middle of nowhere and hope. And hope? And hope, yep. That's their their scientific (laughs) method of getting there? Jump and hope? (laughs) Well, their calculations all point them in a very specific direction. Well, I mean, they're they're at least using, like, a catapult or something, right? Well, yeah. They're not... Okay. They're using a catapult and a construction, like, like something with food in it, I would think. Just, like, a a glider, essentially, but, like... (laughs) And, uh, all their calculations are correct, but then we make a joke about extrapolated data. (laughs) (laughs) Because... (laughs) I would have liked to do it with four... They're like, as they're like loading into the catapult that's about to launch them off, they're like, you know, I would have a lot more accurate data if I did this with four. But that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man. So, you know, insert nerdy jokes. Um, and then catapult! And then, you know, they're mostly on target, but it's not exactly like a smooth... Yep, so that's your, that's, uh, your action climax for you. It's like, we're off target by three feet more than we can actually manage to turn. What do we need to do then? <laughs> and then they need to rig something up and, uh, you know, latch onto it that way. And then, you know, they crash land, so their little conveyance is broken and they can't get back using it. So they have to, like, figure out how the little magic slash sci-fi machine that makes little planets works. And then bring up a planet and then, like, <laughs> send it in the right direction and ride it and then get off before it crashes into another. Well, they send it at one of the three that they reactivated that prevents planet crashes. Oh, okay. They were like, I hope I did this right. The instructions were not in a language that I could read. <laughs> there were absolutely no instructions on this. I'm just taking a guess. One of the more dangerous things I've done in my life. Uh... And then, oh, I feel like there should be just, like, a several chapter arc of them just, like, experimenting and, like, hilarious things happening. Um, like, you know, like, oh, sh like, I made way, like, I turned the setting, like, way too high, and now there's, like, a planet coming out, like, every five minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, like... This is unsustainable. And they're like, oh, crap, that... One is way too big. <laughs> I hope it doesn't hit too many planets on the way. I hope we turned on that anti-collision setting correctly. <laughs> I really hope that anti-collision thing works. Really, really hope. <laughs> if we turn it too high, then we risk, like, you know, increasing the distance between orbs so much that, like, it's really hard to, like, traverse between them, so they don't want to do that either. Or even more, uh, it too aggressively corrects courses, which just cracks the planets on its own. Yeah, and then find a setting that, like, doesn't really seem to do anything except, like, change the color of the orbs, and they're like, is this one just for vanity? <laughs> <laughs> Internally screaming, like, did they just... Did they just put a cosmetic option in in this thing <laughs> like, that maintains the world? Like, are these are these planets like actually materially different, or is this purely cosmetic? <laughs> oh man! And they're just like, I hope it's not just cosmetic, but at the same time, I kind of hope it is. <laughs> uh, and um. What else can you do with the little toggles? Uh, you can, like, change the actual resources that are on the planet. Okay. Which changes, like, the power consumption of creating a new one. So essentially they're trying to, they're trying to find a way to, uh, you know, keep the power consumption to, not a minimum, but a sustainable amount. Okay. And, like, you know, they're doing this all by, like, turning knobs on machines with markings they can't understand and looking at like these like what appear to be like safety gauges that they also or like can't moving read. a bunch of different <laughs> level levers and uh not like knobs but you know the like like sliders <laughs> there's like knobs and sliders and levers and buttons and they're like yep these all do things 
Let's see what. Somehow I feel like if I wrote this, it would be like construed as an attack on religion for some reason. <laughs> what? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention gods whatsoever, but like. It's like whoever was in charge of this really needs to get their shit together. Like, yeah, that's that's how that's the origin of the world. <laughs> it's just one person set up this absolute nonsense. And then there was a thingamabob machine. <laughs> exactly. Oh, even better if like they get there and like in the control room there's a dead body of a species that they don't recognize. So there's just been someone there the whole time, and it's like, oh, maybe we should have found this a long time ago. Or not, you know, like, I feel like they would be considered, like, insects in the control room. I mean, <laughs> that could be the case. Or it could be the case that it's just, like, one person was, like, found it just, and just started doing this stuff. Okay. And then they just died of old age? That would make sense. Or was it like they were playing with this machine and it all went horribly wrong? I'd probably go with the old age, but like at the machine, so maybe you think that the machine went horribly wrong? Hmm. Okay. So yeah, like they find But they don't know that it's old age because that's not their field of study. At least until they bring the dead body back. They, you know, it's like a dead body is found, like, at the control, so they're like, oh, crap, if you, like, touch the wrong button, it might kill you. But actually, like, you know, the dude was just fiddling around with the machine and died. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two separate events. <laughs> Correlation does not imply causation. If you're writing, coincidences can cause bad things. They're just not allowed to cause good things too often. Well, I mean, you know, I put a lot of cute coincidences in my story. I mean... Cute things aren't good things, they're just nice things, you know? Okay, as long as they don't give your characters a material advantage, it's fine to make them fluffy. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and then, you know, they fix the contraption, and what, does somebody have to stay behind to man it? Um, maybe temporarily, but not like on an ongoing basis. Like, you don't need a single person on an ongoing basis, at least. And then, you know, like, does the discovery of the origin of orbs lead to, like, a massive war? I mean, that's a nice sequel hook, I would assume. <laughs> like, where the first book is just, like, this really, like, nerdy academic, like, adventure full of research jokes. <laughs> and the book second two, one is just war. full of war. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a thing I would do. You know, like, what's the what's the word for, like, sequel that's, like, a full non-sequitur? <laughs> I, would, I would call it something like tonal whiplash, but... <laughs> I feel like you should... There should be some way to merge those two phrases in a way that makes it clear that it's a joke. Anyways, I'll figure that out later. <laughs> I mean, you could still focus on, like, being the weird nerdy research guy who is the only one who really understands what's going on right now. But there's, like, a huge war over, over things that none of the groups involved actually get. 
you know, I'm wanting him or her to figure out, like, a way to kind of just set things on automate and then, like, lock the whole thing so that nobody can get in. And... I mean, I, I don't think locking the whole thing is exactly the safest option. No, but, you know... Having an intergalactic war over the origin of all resources. <laughs> oh. Seems a little... Wait, 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 wait. Book, book two here is instead of uh, the intergalactic war, it's them trying to keep it a secret that like things can be changed and not just reset. Oh, okay. So, like, there's... Okay. So they go in and then they're like, we fixed the problem. Instead of saying, actually, we just fiddled with the controls. Exactly. And everyone's just like, oh, there was like a broken part that had to be like replaced or something. Yeah, not, we had to change the controls somewhat. And then, like, how many people actually went to the plant, to the source place? I would say probably under 10. Yeah, the catapult had some, some limits. That's too many. Ten could not keep a secret. Ten cannot keep a secret. No, but <laughs> five or six might be able to. It wouldn't be easy to. And, you know, like, after they come back and they're lauded as heroes and they're plied with food and drink, I feel like even five or six would be really unlikely that they could. One of them yeah. gives away the secret while, like, stupid drunk at the on the night of. And, like... The next day, they all agree to keep it secret. <laughs> like, that would definitely happen. <laughs> Leading to intergalactic war. <laughs> so we gotta... I, I think we gotta cut the numbers down even more. Like, three. <laughs> I think three could keep a secret. Okay. <laughs> you know, and three is enough to get up to, like, a decent number of comedic hijinks with the experimentation. <laughs> I suppose... Well, it's just the most dedicated team of three, so... Like, they have to be super dedicated and also, like, willing to sit in this catapult that will, like, fling them on a one-way trip to an unexplored area and may miss the target, you know? <laughs> like, maybe not that many people would want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Is there a reason you want more people? You sound really disappointed. <laughs> Uh, not, not, not really. I mean, it's fine with, uh, okay. it's fine with just a few people. Anyway, so the reason that I would be kind of disappointed is just, like, there's not as much chance to, uh, have conflicts and stuff. Oh, is there, like, you want there to be conflict, like, on the source, in the source place? Or at least, you know, some people are disagreeing, like, when, like... Uh, the, the main researcher person is just like, yeah, let's make things work again. And then another person's like, let's make things work better now that we have the option. Okay. I mean, you gotta have a min-maxer in there. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's one person that's like, yeah, we should take this over and become the people who control, uh, all this stuff. Okay. I mean... You know, you could have more people if some of them get killed during this conflict, so then you have fewer people to keep the secret after. <laughs> also an option. Okay, I just don't usually kill people in my stories, so, like, it doesn't come to me naturally. I only kill some people in my stories. I mean, I guess I've killed one 
one person who who then immediately respawned because it was a game. <laughs> <laughs> Does that that doesn't think... even count as killing though? Yeah, I I, I killed Leandriel in chapter seven of Fantasia, and that was it. <laughs> but he didn't even die. <laughs> no. He just, you know, lost a level and then went out. <laughs> Painful. Maybe do not want to repeat. That's the full extent of the death in my story. <laughs> it's a solid option. Okay. Um, hey, I'm I'm not planning on killing anybody in one of my stories. Other than, like, the fact that they, they die in-game, like, all the time. Because it's just that kind of game. Uh, I mean, you know, I feel like no matter what kind of game it is, if you played it, you would die all the time. <laughs> no, but the characters die all the time, which is different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because, like, even in, in my story, which is, like, super safe, you would probably die all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, what would happen if I jumped off this cliff? Well, I know what would happen, but, like... <laughs> The, the, the what would happen is more like, can I beat this boss that's like 10 levels higher than me? Because it seems to have a really simple pattern. And the answer is yes, but also I would die twice along the way because I didn't react fast enough to the pattern that I know is coming. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, someone who was like me would just play it normally and have zero chance of dying at any time. <laughs> okay. No being a very reasonable person. That's not allowed. Okay, so we can say that, like, there were, like, five or six people who go there, but then one of them happens to be, like, a megalomaniac who wants to take over the universe. And then they get into a fight and, like, kill two or three people while they're at it, and then they get killed, so that leaves us down to three people to keep the secret. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know? And, uh, for comedic effect, I would definitely have, like, just, like, a few, like, cutscenes to like the rest of the universe where people are just observing like these very strange orbs appear as like people fight over the controls and it's just like minor calamities happening everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just like what is that? Some people who worship the creation of the orbs are just like um something's happening. And the end is nigh, or, yeah, like, there's, like, a whole religion that, like, centers around, like, interpreting the god's will based on, like, the size, orientation, and appearance of all the new orbs. And then they're just like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the gods are trying to tell us. (laughs) Possibly that they had a rager of a party last week. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they come back, and, uh, the professor decides that having 30 grad students is actually more of a pain in the ass than a, than a boom. Except that now they need to keep them because everybody's suddenly interested in their field of study. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so they get to be, like, picky about which grad students get in exactly oh that that'd be hilarious like they get put on the admissions board at the university (laughs) (laughs) come on i just wanted to do my research they're like do i really have to read all these cvs (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, please, no. <laughs> the fate worse than death. <laughs> Doing work. That's not what I'm interested in. Did I really, like, survive that whole ordeal just to, like, come back and do this? And that's where you cut, that's what you cut the end of the book, you know? Did I really survive yeah. all of that so that I could come back and do this? And they're like, wait, 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 it's time for my sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually just hanging out in the orb control room. <laughs> yeah, like, no one will be able to find me if I go back there. <laughs> Uh, just need to have one trusty person rig up the catapult. <laughs> and, you know, like, three feet to the left this time. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We need to just re-aim this just a little. <laughs> but only three feet, okay? Like... <laughs> and they, it was a super long distance, too. So, you know, they they need to change the angle by less than a degree on the actual catapult. Yeah. So they're just watching the person fiddle with it. And they're like, no, 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 that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. There you go. Well, I sort of like this. And we have an arc, at least. I feel like if you have a lot of jokes about academia stored up, this is the place to put them. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I'm not actually that aware of all of the academia jokes. I don't think anybody's but... aware of all of them. But, you know. I mean, you know, if you have a PhD and you've been in research for the last 20 years, or a postdoc, I guess, yeah, and you also write fiction, then... This is <laughs> this a good is a starter for, for your uh, for your thing, <laughs> if you ever want to not do <laughs> what you spend so much time doing, I guess. I mean, that's what I do, <laughs> so... I highly recommend not doing what you spend, like, 20 years studying to do. Um, at least as a hobby. You know, it'll... I mean, you probably want to do something else as a hobby to j in just, you know, in general. Yeah. A anything else? I don't think so. Okay. So, if you liked that idea and want to write it, email us. At listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com. You don't need to email us before you rate it, by the way. Just just go ahead and do it, and then email us after. I mean, if you want to email us beforehand, that is also fine. We just won't have anything to plug on your behalf. Oh, I, I'm saying that it's unnecessary. If you want to do it to get a little bit more uh, expansion on some ideas, that's fine too. But Yeah, or if you just want moral support or something, that's fine <laughs> yeah you may ask for moral support at listeners that don't imagine <laughs> you know because we we do that moral support do we do moral support yes i you know when bad things happen to people that i talk to online i will put a unhappy face to show my sympathy <laughs> You know what? That's good enough. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> okay, bye.